You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. All right, we'll be continuing our sermon series through the Lord's Prayer this morning, which we've titled, When You Pray. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me now to Matthew 6, 5 to 13. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, don't worry, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. So I'm going to check that out. Last week we prayed about how uh, the Lord's Prayer is plural, the plurality of the Lord's Prayer, and how that's significant and important. And today we're going to be focusing on um, verse 9, our Father in heaven, but we're going to read the whole uh, prayer in context. So if you want to turn with me, Matthew 6, 5 to 13, it says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the other day I was, I was sitting on a chair in my living room and, and my youngest son, who's, who's six and just started grade two this year, which, which is crazy to think about, by the way. Where does time go, right? I mean, he's already in grade two. That's crazy. Uh, let's move on. Anyways, I was just relaxing on the chair when he wanders over to me. And, and without asking or without warning, he just rolled right over the arm of the chair into my lap and then leaned his head against my chest. And, and he stayed cuddled up with me like that for about 10 minutes, which, which was great. I, I enjoyed that because he is, and you know, he is in grade two now, and I don't get uh, that much cuddle time anymore. So that was great. I, I was enjoying that. And he didn't say a word, and I didn't say much at all either. We just sat there all cuddled up together on the chair until finally his, his need for dad time was done. And then he rolled off my lap and went back to his playing. And it got me thinking shouldn't this be what our prayer times are like? Like a dependent child coming confidently and intimately into the presence and arms of their loving father? In fact, in the midst of that moment, I was reminded of something I'd read recently in a book by John DeVries about prayer, something that I'll admit I wrote off at the time as I was reading it as, as such a cheesy quote. Like, like I probably said it out loud even though I was reading it by myself. And I probably said as I read the quote, do not use this quote in a sermon. But yet here I am using the quote in a sermon because I experienced it in my, myself in that moment with my own son. Uh, about prayer, he writes, as my heavenly father looks back, surely the moments of greatest delight in his relationship with me were when I, in childlike dependence and faith, climbed into his lap in prayer. In other words, prayer in many ways, is not only like a child coming to sit in the lap of their Heavenly Father. It's something that God desires from us. He wants us to come and sit in His presence. 
In fact, Jesus tells us this is how we're to approach prayer, doesn't he? In verse 9a, the first part of verse 9, says, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Right from the get-go, Jesus is teaching us that when we come to pray, we come as children before a father. And on that note, it's probably true that most of us say or call God Father when we pray. In fact, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to be preaching anything this morning that you haven't heard before. But let's, let's ask ourselves, do we just say Father or Heavenly Father or Father God more out of habit when we pray? Or is it actually how we mentally and spiritually approach God in prayer? Do we interact with Him like He's our Father? Theologian Jack Miller once said, I can tell a great deal about a person's relationship with God by listening to him or her pray. You can tell if a man or woman is really on speaking terms with God. In other words, even though we might know something theologically or think we believe certain things about God, like like we know we're supposed to, to call God Father because Jesus tells us here, right? But what really reveals our true beliefs is the way in which we pray, how we converse with and relate to God. That says a lot about how we actually see God, what we think about Him, and how we view our relationship with Him. So, so imagine you were a fly on the wall and you were listening in on your own prayers. Ask yourself, does the way I pray and talk to God reflect this child-parent relationship? Or is it like I'm praying to this like cold being or this distant God that, that might hear me or might not hear me? Are we reflecting this child-parent relationship? Because it should. Because that, that's the way we're supposed to relate to God in prayer. Rather, that's the way God wants us to see Him and relate to Him when we pray. He named Himself our Father. He calls Himself our Father. In fact, by teaching us to say our Father in Heaven, Jesus seems to be revealing for us two important points on prayer. The first point is that the focus of our prayers should be reverently directed toward God alone. Not, it's not about me. We like to make prayer about me, right? But our prayers focus on God. It's, it's about Him and to Him because He's the God of heaven. He's the holy, transcendent, sovereign, glorious, unchanging one, worthy of our full attention and worship and adoration. So our focus of prayer, of our prayers is on Him. And yet, The second point is that this glorious, transcendent, holy God of heaven who's set apart from creation actually wants us to relate to him intimately as children to a father. And not just allegorically, but actually. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray that he's like our father. He teaches us that God is our father. Jesus is teaching us to pray like he does, with an intimacy like he has. And this is, a, this is a big deal. In fact, for Jesus' disciples and, and any Jews in the vicinity listening to this lesson, this would have been pretty controversial. To, to call God Father wasn't something God's people did very often. He's referred to a handful of times as being likened to a father in the Old Testament. And God promises that one day his people will call him Father. And, and, um, and the, it, the nation of Israel as a whole sees God as a father of the whole nation. But to assume such a close and personal relationship to the holy God who dwelled only within the holy of holies of the temple was pretty much unheard of. Almost heretical, really. 
So this is amazing. So when Jesus tells them to approach and speak to the holy God, the creator of the universe, as their father, this would have been mind-blowing. Can we truly have such a personal encounter with the God of heaven? Can, can we truly claim this lofty status as being a child of God? Who are we to call God our Father? Albert Muller Jr. writes, By using this word, Jesus reminds us that God is not some anonymous deity or personal force. We pray to the God of Scripture, the one who has revealed himself in the Old and New Testaments. Yet we have a unique relationship with him. As our Father, the one who hears our prayers is imminent, that is, intimately near to his people. So by teaching his disciples and now us to pray like this, Jesus is telling us that we're not only able, but called by his grace and love to have an intimate and close relationship with God. And again, that it's more than just about calling him Father. It's about relating to him and speaking to him and knowing him as Father. Again, a relationship not unlike the one Jesus himself, the Son of God, has with him. He, as Jesus says, he did nothing apart from the Father. And in the same vein, this is a relationship that we have to understand before we go any further. This is a relationship that's only been made possible because of and through Jesus. In other words, unlike anyone before him, Jesus himself has the authority to teach us to pray to God as Father because it's only through Jesus' authority that we get to. Let's let the Bible explain this. Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then in Galatians 4, 4 to 5, it says, But when the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his son, born through a woman and born under the law. This was so he could redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted. And Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, and it says sons because it was the sons that were heir to, to, to the father's inheritance. So it includes uh, both male and female, but it says sons because that has, that has significant meaning. So in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So, so the reason we could come before God as his children and call him father, just as Jesus did, beca- is because through Jesus, according to his work on the cross, We've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. Whereas Adam and Eve, they fell out of God's presence due to sin. We, on the other hand, through Christ, are are not only cleansed of our sin and welcomed into God's holy presence when we come to him with repentance and and, and believe in his name, right? We're we're also securely and lovingly adopted as his children. a, A more secure relationship than Adam and Eve had with God. Because we're welcomed into the family. We're now brothers and sisters of Christ. On being adopted by God, Timothy Keller writes, In Christ, therefore, believers are not only legally, but personally established in God's fatherly love. In a remarkable passage, Jesus prays to the Father for his followers, that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. To be adopted means that now God loves us as if we have done all Jesus had done. We have the most intimate and unbreakable relationship possible with the God of the universe. 
You know, it's timely that, that John Newfelt was, was here with us this morning sharing about sponsoring these kids in poverty with, with food for the hungry because this is a reflection of the heart of the Father for us. He loved us and adopted us even while we were in spiritual poverty, even while we were sinners and enemies with God. In fact, he gave up his one and only begotten son to make it happen. We should realize then that every, every time we refer to God or relate to him as father, we're doing so as his children on the basis of the blood of Christ. That every time we call God our father, we're proclaiming the reality of our salvation from sin and death. We're confirming our faith in Jesus as the mediator between us and God. Ultimately, to relate to God as our Father is to realize and experience the glorious and wonderful effect of the kingdom come, of our redemption from the fall, that because of Jesus, this is how the God of heaven views us, as his children, as his own, as brothers and sisters, and even co-heirs with Christ. Just think of how incredible that is. J.I. Packer writes, As God's adopted children, we are loved no less than is the one whom God called his beloved son. In some families containing natural and adopted children, the former are favored above the latter, but no such defect mars the fatherhood of God. This is the best news anyone has ever heard. It means that God will never forget us or cease to care for us, and that he remains our forbearing father even when we act the prodigal, as also we all sometimes do. Again, this is the best news anyone has ever heard. God the Father loves us as his children. What this means, therefore, is that he's pleased and even glad to not only hear our prayers, but to answer them. And I know that sometimes I might not feel like it. But God wants to hear and answer your prayers. He wants to spend time with you. He wants, to, he wants you to crawl up on his lap and spend time in his word and in his presence. Again, this is incredible. This is incredible. The God of heaven, the, the transcendent creator of the universe, has revealed himself through Christ as a father who loves us and welcomes us as his own. And I, know, and I know that I'm being repetitive here. I know I'm being repetitive, but it's amazing. I, I pray that we can let this reality sink deep. Because let's be honest, when we pray, do, do we pr- truly pray with this in mind? With wonder and, and thankfulness that the God of creation calls us his children and names himself our Father. J.I. Packer again writes, Our Father speaks of the quality and depth of God's love to Christ's people. All the sustained care and concern that a perfect father could show. But who art in heaven sets before us the fact that our divine father is great, eternal, infinite, almighty. Thus, that phrase makes us realize that God's love is unchanging, unlimited, unconquerable in its purpose, and more than able to deal with all the needs we bring when we pray. Prayer shaped and supported by thoughts like this will not be dull. Let me ask you this. Are your prayers dull? Maybe the issue is that you haven't grasped this amazing truth that you're a child of the God of heaven. Or then again, maybe it's because your view of what a father should or shouldn't be has been skewed. 
On that note, I know that all earthly fathers fall short, including myself, especially myself. And I know that some miss the mark entirely. Maybe your dad was hard to talk to, or wasn't emotional, or was abusive, or was selfish, or or wasn't around at all. And if that's the case, I'm sorry. I don't want to undermine that. On the other hand, maybe your, your dad was great. Either way, the good news is that God the Father rises above any earthly fathers. He's the perfect father. He's the father of lights. He's the father to the fatherless even. As it says in Psalm 27:10, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. We can count on him. This is true in prayer. As his children, he receives us. He listens to us. He's with us. He wants the best for us. Matthew 7, verse 11 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is our God. He sees us and loves us and provides for us as his children. And he's the God of heaven, so we know he can. On that note then, this means that we, as his children, should be approaching God in prayer as our Father. But what does that look like exactly? Romans eight fourteen to 16 gives us an idea of how we should come to God as our Father. When it says, <clears throat> excuse me, when it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So filled with his spirit, as his adopted children, we can come confident into the presence of God crying, Abba, Father. And that word Abba, as many of you Many of you might know is an enduring term that Jewish children would call their their dads, would call their fathers. And for us, it could be along the same lines as as Papa or Daddy, but not quite. And I know because I know it might seem odd for adults to call God Daddy. And and I totally get that. I've I've heard people pray to God as Daddy before. And it's it's a little odd hearing grown ups talking like toddlers when they're praying. But whatever, if that's what you want to do, then then go for it. But the point of the passage isn't that we need to talk like toddlers. The point of calling him Abba Father is is showing that it's ownership, that there's a relationship there. The point is that this is the cry of our hearts, our soul, our very being. The Spirit of God within us moves us to see and know God as our Abba Father, as our Father. To be confident in His presence. Thankful and dependent for his provision, repentant in our sins, expectant in his faithfulness and grace, responsive to his guidance and discipline, comfortable in his care and protection, trusting in his word and his will, and filled with the desire to obey. And you may have noticed that most of those very themes I just mentioned are ones that Jesus also also gets into as the Lord's prayer goes on. 
What that means is that for the rest of the Lord's Prayer to work or even make sense, it's important that we first of all grasp this truth and faith that when we pray, we should pray like this. Not just with our words, but with our heart. Our Father in heaven. This, this is the foundation to the Lord's Prayer, that we come before God as His children in the name of Jesus, that we direct our hearts, our minds, and our affection unto Him alone as our Father. Even if we have nothing to say, like my son when he crawled into my lap, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. As it says in Romans, the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf and praying for things we don't even know we need. So that part's taken care of. So even if you don't know what to say, we come to God as our Father. Also, you might remember that, that Jesus, right before, before this, said that God already, knew, God already knows what we need. So again, we don't have to come before Him with words. What the God of Heaven primarily desires from us is for His kids to crawl into His lap, to humbly come before Him as we are, and see Him, relate to Him, and trust in Him as our Father.